The Rainmaker Multiplier on-demand series is brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity, a financial training, coaching, and IP development organization led by financial advisors, coaches, and business leaders committed to taking a holistic approach to advising. To learn more about our organization and upcoming training opportunities for financial professionals, visit ClarityToProsperity.com. Welcome to the Rainmaker On Demand podcast. This is Jason Smith, and I'm here with Brian Bibbo and DC Chamberlain. These two guys have been battling it out all year long, and we just ended our our contest period, our awards and period. And so, yeah, this is number one and two. And uh, it was kind of neck and neck with you guys. And uh, Brian, you kind of pulled away a little bit. I think he started working 150 hours a week there at the end. <laughs> it's amazing what competition does, right? <laughs> ain't, ain't that the truth? It was, it was something like that, yeah. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, thanks for joining us, DC. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be here. Yep. So basically what I want to do today is I want to just uh, pick your brains and let everybody hear about, you know, what you guys did to kill it this year. I mean, you just, uh, you both had, you know, breakout years of uh, gathering assets, definitely above and beyond what most uh, people have the ability to do. You know, I don't know. Do you guys even know what it was? I just know you ended up one and two. I don't have the numbers in front of me. What'd you end up bringing in in new assets over that period? Yeah, that's a great question. Since the C2P goes from October 1st to September, I don't know that exact figure. I think it was somewhere 30 north of 30 million plus. But the exciting news is, is for 2021, I'll end well, I will end up somewhere between 45 to 50 million in assets for 2021. Uh, so it's going it's very exciting what we're going to hit. I'm really shooting for that that uh, that that 50 million marker. That would be amazing because I'm I'm blowing past that ceiling of complexity I kept running into year after year. Yeah, that's that's a huge number. I mean, that's not I'm not going to be anywhere close to that for this year to be honest with you, but I do have a, a, a decent number right now at about 16 or something year to date. I think in the, the qualification period, I was in the, in the mid twenties, maybe, maybe closer to that 30 mark. I'm not quite sure. I think you're right. Yeah. But I've only added three new clients this year, you know, been really grinding on the existing clients and I've only added three and two of them were referrals. One was from marketing. So, and it wasn't, it was a different marketing program that was done. So kind of doing it a little bit differently, right? So that's going to be the difference, I think, between the two. But that's amazing. 45, 50, even getting close to those numbers. I mean, that's, that's congratulations are definitely in order for that. I, I appreciate it, DC, but I hear you say is like, hey, I brought on three new clients and did 16 million. I do some quick math in my head. You're dealing with <laughs> some great high net worth people. So kudos to you for continuing to bring in those higher net worth people. And, and like you said, is just working on the existing clients. That's huge. And that's, what's cool about the mix of the two of you guys, I think is, you know, DC, you're like, you set a very high minimum years ago. I mean, I remember when you were like, you know, I'm not working with anybody below a million. 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know what I mean? Like that was multiple years ago. And so, and Brian actually is now, but I bet you, and I can't, I can't wait to hear this DC, what your new minimum is. I'm just guessing that you've continued to raise it. Brian has just more recently raised his to a million. And now we're looking to try to get it, I know, up to one and a half in, in 2021. Where, how about you, DC? Where are you at in that range? Yeah, I'm in that two million range. I still, you know, it's still hard to turn down. I, I have that higher minimum, but I still, if someone falls in my lap as a referral and I haven't had to do any marketing to bring them on, I'm like, can I turn down a million dollar client? It's hard for me to do that. Like, so like mostly because I'm trying to bring in most of my new clients via referrals and, and things of that nature that are very low cost. I probably wouldn't turn away a million dollar client, but really I'm targeting 2 million plus and maybe even more than that. So, and I've had luck bringing on a couple bigger guys like that. And, you know, what, what I've tried to do is if I can get at least 2 million to someone who has a lot more then I can work on them over the years. And then that adds to my, that's how I'm able to bring on three clients because a lot of the other AUM that came in was from people who would give me a couple million, but had a lot more. And so, you know, that's kind of the difference I think in the approach you know, with what we're doing, whereas I'm sure you get a lot of people that come in and you just gather everything right away. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I mean, I think the biggest, one of the bigger successes I've had was realizing and Jason helped me realize like, hey, I should be working with people that are higher net worth and stop fishing in a pond and trying to scoop up everyone possible. Because I was in such that mentality for so long and I was working more and more. But the reality of it is when you work with those higher net worth, as Jason said, uh, a million is my minimum. And starting January 1st, we're going to go to a million five for me. But I've worked less. I mean, I used to work Saturdays and I used to work Sundays. And I was and I kept hitting that ceiling of complexity. I kept going, man, why do I keep putting up like 23, 25 million in new assets a year? And I keep bouncing off that ceiling. And it's just that aha moment working with EOS, working with Pareto Systems, I think that's one of the biggest things is working with Pareto has helped me in my career and, and learning the verbiage on how to talk to the clients and talking to the higher net worth was a, a big success for me. But in the long run, it's like I'm not working anymore Saturdays. I think I've worked every month since June. I've had one Saturday appointment a month, and that's it, one Saturday. And, and it's with those blue diamonds, we refer to them, those people that are worth a million plus, I'll carve out a Saturday morning but I'm not going to, but it has to be that high of net worth to be able to work with. Yeah. And I've kind of done the same thing. I honestly, yeah, I used to work almost every Saturday and, and like, don't even like tax season. Wow. That was, those hours were something else like evening Saturdays, you know, but the last couple of tax seasons, I I'm rarely in on a Saturday and in general, like throughout the rest of the year, Almost never, but I do have a few clients where they have tricky availability and they have a certain asset size. Like one of the ones I think I've got like three or 4 million from them and they've got 16 total. So I'll meet with them on Saturday. Okay. I'm not, I'm not going to say no to that. Right. <laughs> uh, there's a lot more opportunity there and they're a good client. So, you know, but it's reserved really same thing with the evenings. I just try to stick to mainly schedule appointments between the hours of 10 and four and stay in that window most of the time. And I found that actually now like 90% of the people, I give the option to my clients, like, do you want to come in 
into the office? Do you want to meet via Zoom? Do you want to do a phone appointment? I give them all three options and, and Zoom is like 90% of the time it feels like people want to do that. So I even go to the office sometimes just to get out of the house to have a Zoom there. But yeah, it's been good though. You know, that's, that's fantastic insight, DC. And, and actually, I want to ask Brian a couple questions because you shared a couple things and I'd love to hear kind of what Brian's take is on it. So one is on the options of like Zoom, a phone call or an in-person meeting, what are you, and now DC, you're in the St. Louis market. What are we experiencing? What are you experiencing in the Cleveland market, Brian? Like DC yeah. said 90% Zoom. So it's crazy, DC, hearing that because I guess Ohio's still stuck in some old times or something like that because it's like 80, 90% people want to meet in person. I mean, the, the Cleveland market, our Avon office, there's probably a little bit more Zoom. Uh, our Fremont office, which is absolutely rural country living out there, uh, that's 95% in person. So we're really seeing... I'm going to tell you 80% of my clients are in person. The ones that I'm not meeting with in person live at least 30 minutes away from the office. Yeah. And I guess that break would be interesting to see, uh, you know, prospects versus existing. I feel like with my existing is where, and again, because I'm only bringing on so few clients a year, it's, it's kind of hard to make the comparison because you probably, I don't know the number of clients you added, but I'm sure there's a lot more volume there than three to get to the numbers he got. And, and so like, yeah, I mean, I mean, I would definitely imagine that there would be, if I had a greater volume, I'd have more people who would want to meet in the office as well. But it's really interesting. A lot of them, I do have one who just recently signed up for a in-person, but most of them, even the new ones, they want to do Zoom. Maybe it's the higher net worth. I don't know. Maybe it's something with COVID, who knows? You know what? Yeah, you bring up a good point. DC is I know that seeing what we're seeing is a lot more of the high net worth coming from the virtual marketing because they kind of, you know, have control over when they watch it. They watch replays. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like, they don't have to like cattle herd into a library or a university or whatever. I, I don't know. I think their time is more, you know, important you know so i think the vert we're finding a lot more of the virtual coming from that yeah when you have that kind of money you know you, you, and you start to feel financial security i think your time becomes like a much more valuable asset to these people so they're like well if i can i don't have to take the 30 minute round trip to go to an office we can just hop on the zoom zooms are usually pretty efficient to begin with in terms of time on there so you know you start looking at all these things and thinking about them and you know, it makes it a little bit easier. Brian, what about your breakdown? Like DC shared, you know, his, you know, his uh, new assets came from basically three clients, right? I believe you said DC. Well, three new clients, three new? but a lot of existing clients that I've gone back to for, for additional assets. So it's not like you just take my total and divide it by three. It was over more clients than that, but only three that were brand new. Okay. And, and Brian, like when you think of like business percentage coming from existing versus coming from new, and then is, where is the new coming from? Yeah. So the new is coming from, I mean, the marketing engine we created here, 
We are doing the web, the, the webinars with through Chris Ross. He is getting people uh, into those webinars, which are Facebook advertised. And we do, I don't know, three or four of those a month, depending on the month, if there's a holiday or not, those kind of play into it. And it's simple. I mean, here's one of some of the secret sauces. We record those every six months and we make them look like they're live purposely. And then we're just putting them on there and people are watching them thinking they're live and we're getting the fit calls. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, the fit calls of making sure they're the right fit for our firm from those, we started doing in-person again. And in Ohio, I mean, when we were doing these in August and September, it was a little, not too many people, but we just did one uh, last Tuesday, which was a, a FIA taxes in retirement. And we had the whole room filled. So there was a 13 to 14 households. So you got to figure a couple, some of those, it was like 25 plus people there. So that's where a lot of the news coming from. But to be quite frank, our referrals is the best driver that we have. Learning how to ask for referrals. We went through the Bill Kate system during COVID because with COVID, we also had to stop doing in-person workshops. So we went through the Bill Kate's referral system, got trained up on that and being able to ask for those. So of the new business, it's like 40 to 45% of the new business comes from referrals right now. And it's because we're proactively asking the questions to the clients and letting the clients know, you know, don't keep us a secret. Don't keep us a secret to your friends and your family. And we want you to be an advocate to your friends and your family and your community. And if you know anyone that can benefit from our services, please send them our way. So using that type of verbiage and, and intertwining that, I just got off a, a, a new appointment with a, with a referral to me just right before this. And you know we quote him a fee on doing the bucket planning and everything else. And I said, and if we do a great job, the other way that, hey, we work is referrals. That's how you got to us. You were referred to us. So if we do a great job for you, we put our best foot forward, the expectation is, you know, to refer people to us. And that always hits home. We, I've built that into the phase one of the process, asking for those referrals. So it's like something that works so good, referrals, we forget how to do it. So it's ingraining it into your process. Where does it fit? Great. And DC, you seem to be, do you have a referral kind of process or any kind of training from Pareto or Bill Cates you've done, or are you just loving on them so much that they're giving you referrals? Yeah. So I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I don't have a, like where I'm asking ever really during the process. I mean, I do once a year, I have an email that I'll send out to my top clients. It says, Hey, you know, just to, just a yearly reminder, you know, we're here for friends and family and anybody else who, if you, you know, want to be, this is a sounding board thing. I mean, very similar thing, you know, you want to be a sounding board or you want me to be a, yeah, you want me to be a sounding board for them. We're here because you guys are a top tier client of ours. We're here to be that sounding board for your friends and family. And I think that works a little bit. I, you know, I've definitely picked up some referrals from that where someone said, Hey, you know what, actually, I was just talking to this person and, you know, you should meet. But more than just that, I, I do a monthly client's corner email from Bill Murray, which is a really a, a good resource I send out. And I give a, a few quick comments on it to my top clients. So I'm always reaching them. 
it, that often triggers a response from them. Like they they thought about something that they wanted to talk to me about, but they didn't. So I'm just trying to stay really active with engaging them and giving a really high level of customer service throughout. Like my top tier clients, they don't talk to an assistant. They talk directly to me every time. So I do that. That's a little bit different. I think, I think a lot of people, you know, almost, almost everybody talks to some kind of assistant where I've said, it's kind of upper echelon and there's maybe only eight to 10 people that fit in that category. I exclusively meet with them. If they call the office, something happens, they say, Oh, DC will get back to you. I don't have Brent, my, my um, assistant right now, Brendan, he's, he's actually passed the CFP and he's just doing the experience requirement right now, but he takes care of a lot of stuff for a lot of clients, but for them um, it's a hundred percent me. So I try to offer this kind of unique experience from a customer standpoint and that and i think that's that's really perpetuated more and more referrals from my existing clients that's great anything else you're doing like special touches other than the newsletter and you know them getting you directly anything else that you're doing dc that you think's you know well, any- so i guess for a few different clients i mean for for all of my kind of a double a triple a like in that range I'm a little bit, the stuff I do from a portfolio standpoint, I do, I do review a lot of different things over time and talk about different strategies. And I'll, I'll send out emails saying, Hey, here's a unique idea. Like one example is there's this fund called the private shares fund. It's a pretty cool, it's an interval fund. So they only give you 5% liquidity per quarter from the fund. So it's a later bucket asset. Okay. But you could take say maybe 5% of your later bucket and put it in this. And what they do that's unique is they invest in, companies that are expected to IPO in the near future. So they're investing in private companies like that. And, and they've done a really solid job so far. And, you know, it's basically like having private equity without having to have the accredited investor requirements and with a little bit more liquidity. So again, that's just one example. I've got a lot of little things like that. There's a, there's a private debt fund like that as well. There's some buffer ETFs. There's just a lot of different strategy type things that I will, that I kind of reserve and have available for higher net worth people, because number one, they're probably the, more of the candidate for this than anybody else, you know, but uh, number two, it's something that I think from a, a service standpoint is appreciated and, you know, makes them feel like we're doing a little bit more than just putting them in a model that they're going to sit in and, and not have a lot of activity. Yeah. DC, you know, you, I'm so glad you brought that up because, you know, that's the one thing I find when I'm talking to advisors that are, you know, deal with a lot of even ultra high net worth, right. Where they're bringing in, you know, 10, 20, 30, $50 million is it's all about the like story they can tell at a cocktail hour. You know, they want to be able to tell a story to their friends that's unique and repeatable and easy to repeat, like the IPO fund, right? Like, yeah. and, and that's cool because like, if it's that, something that simple and you could tell it to your client and they could easily repeat it to their friends, guess what? <laughs> that friend yeah. might be coming to you to open that door. My advisor got me into this IPO fund, which by the way, if, if you don't have institutional access to that fund, the minimum is 10 million, but on Veo, it's 2,500. 
So that's pretty sweet, right? Like, so they can't go and just get that anywhere. If they have an existing advisor, maybe depending upon where they are, but. Right. That's great. Brian, what about, what about you? I, I kind of know the answer to this, sorry, but like, what are some of the unique things you're doing for like the AAA, right? Blue, what we call blue diamond. Yeah, across the board, and we build out a client service matrix. And that client service matrix just says, how are we going to take care of these clients, whether they're the low level Opal clients or the Ruby clients or the diamond or the blue diamond. But let's focus mostly on the, the top echelon, the blue diamond clients, as we refer to them as. There's a lot of things that we do to them. So it's every quarter we're picking up the phone and calling them. Even if we haven't heard from them, we're picking up the phone and we're calling them to talk to them. And a lot of those conversations aren't about how their account's doing. It's how are they doing? What's going on with the family? Or if I, I take notes in our CRM from the last quarter and the one, hey, the husband was going to have surgery. How did the surgery go? And if he's going to have surgery, maybe I send him out a get well card if it was a major surgery. There's all those things. So it's called like a moment of truth. And I'll give you an example. We had a client who was, the, the wife was turning 60. The husband had, our, had just retired and they were going to Tahiti and we sent them a book on Tahiti and where to go and everything else before they went. And it's just those moments of truth, taking care of those individuals is so crucial. And we had recently an Oktoberfest event. And this Oktoberfest event was uh, where we had all of these blue diamond clients invited. And it was specifically them only. We didn't invite any other clients because what we learned when we have those bigger events, which we will, and we invite the other clients too, but we're specifically having this blue diamond event where we can sit down with them. We can talk more with them. As an advisor, it simplifies it because, hey, I have 20 clients there or 15 clients there. I can spend the four hours together talking with those people and I can get those people grouped together to become friends in the long run. Whereas if I have all the clients coming, well, they all want my time. And in those four hours, every two minutes, I'm changing a conversation or going from table to table. So it's just that high level thing. So it's doing different events specifically for those blue diamond clients, making sure you're reaching out to them at least on a quarterly basis. And then when things come up, you're giving them those moments of truth. You're sending them things. Hey, if they're having their 40th or 50th year anniversary, we're making sure we're sending them something. So documenting those things in your CRM and knowing where those come up is super important. That's awesome. DC, anything to add there? Yeah, no, but that's, those are all things that we've, we've had in the works for a while. Let's put it that way. We did also work with Pareto, so... The biggest takeaway for me was just looking at my clients differently because I kind of always had this mentality of, okay, I've got to, I can't give up a client ever. I have to always just, I want to always just do what's right by, even the ones who started with me and had $5,000, I still have a client that's $5,000 only, right? Like, but like, I don't want to just turn this person loose. I kind of feel like I have just like internal conflict about that, right? Like they came to me early on when I was starting out and trusted me and like, I don't want to just kick them to the wolves now, right? So it's like that looking at that differently, I feel like that's such a, a good thing kind of just going through and saying, okay, what is my ideal client and what do I want to do differently to try to replicate that? I mean, part of that for me is also going to be, you know, taking everything and saying, hey, 
like which group of clients can I shift to maybe a junior advisor to start kind of managing that group. And so the last couple of years, I really haven't been as focused on marketing or trying to grow my business as much. Of course, I've had some pretty good numbers, even, you know, not even trying as much, but mainly because I needed to solve this first. I need to solve this problem of having 140 plus households that I work with. I'm sure you have even more now, Brian, just knowing what you've been doing over the last few years. But that ends up being like, when you look at my TD Ameritrade accounts, I was shocked, but I was looking, it's like 400 something accounts or whatever else it is, like some, something along those lines. That's a lot to try to maintain as, as one advisor. So really for me, it's been about trying to find ways to get, to simplify things. You know, bringing on the junior advisor, I think is great. Brendan's been doing a really good job. And I think I've told him, he, you know, as long as he does a great job, you know, I fully expect to transfer and have him be managing a bunch of clients, you know, in the next year or so. So to me, I, that's been the biggest thing to free up time and free up the availability to spend more time on those key clients and to enhance those relationships, which again, comes back around with referrals. As again, they're talking about the IPO fund at a Christmas event or Thanksgiving event or whatever it ends up being. You know, I want to, no, that's, that's great. And I think like protecting your time is also helps protect your confidence and confidence is like a magnet, you know, that draws up people to you. Right. I mean, they want to see that they want to feel that. And, you know, I, what I'd love to do, you know, as we're kind of laying in the plane here a little bit, Brian is you referenced this a little bit before, but I think it was something, you know, you and I went back and forth with for quite a while. And it's the idea of the, you know, when you raise the client minimums, you can easily get into the mindset that you're going to turn away a bunch of business, right? And you don't want to turn away a bunch of that business. And also when you start blocking out Saturdays. It used to work Sundays too, Brian, which was nuts, right? And it was like, wow, it, it's, it's unbelievable what happens. And I remember when it happened to me when I started working less, but producing more results, right? Raising my minimum check of what I'd be willing to work for client level, basically. And all of a sudden I'm as, bu as busy as I ever was before. But I think you've experienced that literally just in this year, Brian. You know, so yeah. you want to share. Yeah, I mean, the, the real the realization is you can't be all things to all people. And I tell clients this, and I've learned this verbiage is we can't be all things to all people, but we can be all things to people like you. And this is when I'm sitting in front of those blue diamond prospects, and I say that to them. And right there, it creates that exclusivity mindset of like, oh, they don't accept anyone into this firm. So I want to work with these people because the guy I interviewed down the road was just had the wheelbarrow throwing everyone in the wheelbarrow where these individuals are working with people that are more in my net worth. And I tell people that. And sometimes it comes up. I'm working at a, a bigger client right now who has a dentist firm and she's retired. Her husband's retired from it, sold the practice. And, and I just shared with them is like your net worth and they're worth 4 million is like exactly the people we work with. We can't be all things to all people. And I think that hits home and that hit home with me a lot. 
And like you said, Jason, less, you know, I'm spending more time with the family than ever. And that peace of mind has helped me break through that ceiling of complexity and working with, you know, a second chair in all of my appointments. In all my appointments, I've, I've had a second chair. And right now, you know, I looked at the, I actually looked at it and I had 400 clients and it's like, oh my gosh, how, how does one person service 400 clients? Do the math, it's almost impossible at the time of the day. So I have started transitioning a lot of those clients to another advisor. I mean, Chad and I just had an appointment today and clients worth about 500,000, half a million bucks, a little bit more of that. And the client was totally comfortable with Chad and everything else. You got to let Chad interact in the, in the annual review. So that's how I brought him in. And that's what I'm doing. I'm bringing in Chad, Joe, and Tracy, depending on the client size in the annual reviews. And I get it, DC. I had the same conflict that you did. It's like, I, these people came when I was a nobody a decade ago. And like, this lady was my first client or my second client ever. It's like, how do I get rid of these people? Remember where you came from. But at the end of the day, you have the right people around you. You know, the clients are going to come first. If people have the same mentality you have of clients first, it's all going to work out. And these clients are going to be taken care of. And quite frankly, probably better taken care of than you would because, and I don't mean to sound you know, egotistical or anything like that, but that $500,000 client, I don't get excited over that anymore, right? I'm not like, oh man, but you know, someone like a Chad is like, oh, this is awesome. I'm taking over a $500,000 client. This is amazing. And he's going to take better care of him than I will now. And that's yeah. a promising thing in the long run. That's what makes me feel good, knowing that these clients are going to be better served with one of those hungry advisors where I'm working with a higher net worth. It's just the progression of our careers and where we're going. Yeah, and I like that phrase, second. I like using second chair versus junior advisor. But yeah, so we, so actually, funny story, earlier today, I was in the office and had a Zoom with an existing client. And the first thing they asked me, they said, where's your partner in crime? Because they're so used to talking to Brendan. And they were asking all about him. They're like, that funny guy and all this stuff. They already, I can already see that they almost like talking to him just as much as they like talking to me or more. So I'm like, this is great. This is exactly what I'm trying to build. So it's working. It's just a matter of getting comfortable, taking the hands off of the reins and passing them to somebody else. And I think we're in that transition. And as you do that again, you're not going to be able, you're going to be able to blow through that ceiling of complexity you were talking about earlier and, and, and go to on to newer and better heights. Awesome. Yeah, I think the moral of the kind of discussion you guys just had, though, is, you know, don't be afraid to raise up that minimum and trust and empower the next generation, that second chair, that next advisor, because they're going to treat them even more than you, better than you arguably will. And by freeing up your time, you're actually going to be able to be more focused on those bigger opportunities and attract with confidence, you know, more of, of those duplicated bigger, you know, clients that you're going to do your best work and have the highest energy, you know, in working with. So awesome guys. Thank you so much for sharing all your best practices and secrets to being so successful. And thank you. Thank you everyone for listening and we'll catch you on the next podcast.
The Rainmaker Multiplier On Demand series is brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity, a financial training, coaching, and IP development organization led by financial advisors, coaches, and business leaders committed to taking a holistic approach to advising. To learn more about our organization and upcoming training opportunities for financial professionals, visit ClarityToProsperity.com.